We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim, and we are ready to discuss hoops once again. Gabe sitting right here courtside with the WNBA, almost to the All-Star break, mm-hmm. almost to the All-Star break. But a lot of things have happened during this first quarter of the season. I mean, coaching changes for two teams already with Indiana LA. Kathy Engelbert is making her rounds. She's gone to seven of the 12 teams just to touch bases with them. And, And DC was the last spot that she hit just this week. And she had some news. And this is like weird because usually in the season, I feel like, we are, um, you know, all about basketball. Just talking about the games, just talking about the hoops. And I feel like this year we've really had just like a lot of outside news yeah. that it's not necessarily just related to the basketball court. Oh yeah. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting to talk about, you know, possible expansion. As you talked with commission, the commission last night, we had a trade. Uh, we had, as you mentioned, coach coaching changes. Um, we unfortunately have some in- injury news to get to, but we're just putting that at the end because I don't want to talk about injuries. Um, okay. But, you know, we, we just had so much news. So I'm, I'm just excited to get into actual news rather than um, just all the games, which is great for me as a recovering Miami Heat fan, um, <laughs> because that was, it was a really tough way to go out. It was a tough way for the Miami Heat to go out. I was <laughs> feeling for you, though. I didn't, I didn't bother you, though. I was going to text you. I was like, no, I'm just going to let him just marinate and just hang on, <laughs> on his own. I was with uh, I was with my family, so obviously my dad's a big Heat fan. Oh yeah. 
so it was obviously like a huge fight over what <laughs> what happened and who <laughs> had to take the shot. So there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions flying around. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Miami the Miami Heat really represent their fan base in that we all love to yell at each other. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know why that is, but we all love to yell at each other uh, and get into it. Um, but yeah, so back back to WNBA. I'm really interested in hearing what Kathy Engelbert heard, uh, told you last night on the broadcast. I was at the game, so I didn't get to watch the broadcast. Um, so what, what did the commission, uh, let you in on? Well, a lot of different things, but first of all, I just want to say, you know, some people were, um, I guess a little unnerved because we've had interviews during a basketball game, but when you have the commissioner and the league right there to connect with the DC community or whatever city in in the WNBA community, you have to do your due diligence and allow that moment to happen. And it may not sound or look like what you want, but I know uh, my partner, I know Megan McPeak, you know, she was receiving some messages like or it shouldn't be any interviews during a basketball game. It's like, come on, you guys, man. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to do our best. Right. Mm-hmm. And the league has this going for all 12 teams like just let it happen and i understand you want to you can still see the game you can still see the game um when we have interviews on but maybe you might learn something yeah. and if someone asks you a question about the wnba you'll be more informed because you're listening to the commissioner yeah. um so anyway i just wanted to clear that up and i know megan well, was really upset by that too because um i even received uh, some messages really? You know, just just about like, oh, the game's going on and there's an interview. And it's like, it's just one message, right. not like a long thread, one message. Um, and it was the same person that sent Megan one. And it's it's um, it's unnerving. Yeah. But anyway, just. Uh, well, yeah, to, to I, put a ball on that, like it, it's the commissioner of the WMB. Like, I understand the feeling when it's like a random person who's not affiliated with this league. But right. the point of that is to have smart people like you and Megan who understand the league and understand the fan base in the community that we are in bring the commissioner to that fan base. So they understand the game more. This is one of the times where it makes sense. I'm I, I, Hey, I get the frustration sometimes, but this is one of the times where it makes sense, especially with you two who are so tied into this community and to this team, bringing the league to that, that group. Yeah. And I just had to say that. And, you know, I hate to give attention where you just don't want attention, you know, like just yeah. you're supposed to just consider the source and keep it pushing. That's my uh, motto for life. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted to say that because I know uh, Megan was really upset um, by that last night. So I just wanted to clear that up. But with Kathy Engelbert sitting right in between Megan and I last night, I thought that it was really insightful to hear what she had to say about so many things that we're discussing with the WNBA, like prioritization, uh, with a lot of the players playing overseas and, you know, not this year coming up, but the following mm-hmm. year after that, how things in the collective bargaining agreement will change. Showing up for training camps in the WNBA is going to be prioritized. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really good thing because, there, you know, we've had this issue for a long time, Gabe, just with players playing deep into their playoff seasons and championships and everything overseas and missing a huge chunk of the WNBA season, whether that be the training camp and the first several games, or even like half a season sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, or or if they're on national teams and things like that. It's just, I think it gives accountability um, for everyone involved, not just the players, but 
the teams overseas kind of walking in lockstep with the WNBA to make it great for both leagues. Like you right. want to be able to afford these women an opportunity to play overseas, but you also don't want to impact the WNBA season. So we'll see what that looks like. And I thought what Kathy Engelbert said about that was really good that, you know, you have to show up on time for your job right. <laughs> and uh, you know, they're, they're putting things in place in, in the new CBA that, you know, will will afford the women to, to do yeah. both. And for, for both like coaches and GMs from both leagues to be able to operate succinctly. Yeah. Well, the thing on that, and I agree, I would, you know, as a WNBA fan of someone who watches pretty much the watches WNBA um, almost exclusively in terms of professional women's basketball, I watch a little bit AU, but I, I don't really watch the EuroLeague as much. So for me, the product would be better with this, uh, with this clause in place. My concern is that, you know, the compensation needs to reach a level to the, to the point that the players can say, okay, this is my only basketball job. Mm-hmm. This is my, this is my thing, right? Like to a certain extent right now, the WNBA is almost a side gig for a lot of these players. Cause they make so much more money overseas. Obviously the overseas right. market is changing rapidly for reasons that are abundantly clear. Right. So it, it's, it might change that this, the WNBA then becomes the best job, but we need to get the compensation to a point where, this becomes a job that you can do year round and right. it pay and it pays you as well as you should be paid. Um, right. I think the WNBA has taken steps towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, I hope there will be more steps and we'll talk about expansion in just a second, something that could really help yeah. um, and put my, more money in more players pockets. But I also think there's an issue with those European leagues. Um, you know, have there been, I don't know if she mentioned this. I'm not sure she, I don't think she would. If I was the commissioner, I wouldn't say anything about this. Okay, but like, uh, I wonder if there's been collaboration efforts with European leagues, with uh, those teams to make sure that we can be in lockstep. Cause maybe it's a situation where they either don't want to be in lockstep or they can't be in lockstep. Um, so it's like, right. can, can we get them to acquiesce to what the WNBA wants? And if they don't acquiesce, if we can't work a system where these two teams, these two entities or multiple entities really are working together can the WNBA just say we have the by far superior product for you to work at here in terms of money in terms of status in terms of being at home in terms of whatever like can they do that so that's my only concern with the prioritization is you know can we make the WNBA your main best job that you want to spend the most time at right and and I think that's that's a question a lot of players are going to have to ask Mm -hmm. themselves I mean with the AU league being here. I know she mentioned that, Um, you know, there are a lot more opportunities um, like stateside at home where Mm -hmm. you don't have to go overseas to play and it's less uh, time, right? With the AU league, it's condensed into just a couple of months of competition. So I mean, I think it's better physically, right? On the wear and tear of your body um, when you have to play, you know, seven or eight months Mm -hmm. or, two or three months, you know, prior to the WNBA season. So I think it makes a difference that way. Uh, if, if players are writing down the pros and cons yeah. of what they're going to do, I think that's, uh, it's always a good way to decide things. But I just think that, you know, like you said, like do the European teams want to work with the WNBA in that regard? Because no. they have their own leagues, right? <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. I, I haven't seen that because you would think that, you know, that they know, right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they're playing the WNBA and I'm just thinking if I'm a a GM okay overseas 
and I have, you know, Candace Parker on my team. I know she's going to go back and play in the WNBA. So, I, I mean, I think if I'm doing scheduling and all these things, I want to have her back in state in the States on mm -hmm. state side with at least two or three weeks before training camp where she can decompress, get her body ready for the WNBA season. But it's like a lot of these players are coming right in and the very next day yeah. <laughs> from landing from wherever overseas, they're in training camp. And they have, they better be, you know, executing. Right. They better be on point. And that's a lot to ask. So I don't know. I think I would, I would have some compassion there. You know, if I'm a GM in Europe oh, yeah. or, or wherever, I, I would have some compassion there and understanding, you know, for, for who they are as, as human beings, right? It's like, that's a tough road yeah. to have zero turnaround in between playing for seven, eight months and then busting right in and playing four more months straight with no break. Yeah. But if I'm a GM of a European team, I'm saying, well, why doesn't the WNBA have the compassion? Like you guys should just play 20 games because we're the, we're paying the most, right? Uh, for a lot for some of these players right it's not, it's not everyone it's not everyone but for some of these players if i'm a european gm i'm paying her the most money she's going to make this year this is her main job that's her side job she's doing right. that because she likes the WNBA and she wants it to grow or whatever and that's fine for for her or, or them or whoever's playing but i'm it, that's not my problem as a european yeah. team that is yeah. their problem if they would like to compete with us at a salary perspective go right ahead. If you want to, if you want to pay more, pay more. Um, right. And I think that's what it's just going to come down to that. And I, I think on the prioritization front, it's like, if you give people more money and you give them more incentive to not do a thing that you don't want them to do, that's going right. to work better than just telling them, Oh, out flat out. You can't do it here. I have to choose. Cause if someone was making me choose, if like, Oh, you can either play in Europe or in the WNBA, you can't do both. If you're making me choose and the one is paying me more, I love WNBA, but I'll spend I'll spend six months in you know Italy. Uh, it's not it's not a bad gig. Um, now I don't know now, now to be, to be clear though I don't know who's getting paid the most, so I don't think it affects right. that. That's the other thing. It's like it doesn't affect necessarily all of the players. It affects some of the big stars, not even all the big stars, but some some of the big stars do get a lot more money uh, in Europe. Right, and that's true, and and I think that. That's something that Kathy Engelberg said, not to mm -hmm. us, but previously in other interviews um, in other cities of the WNBA. I know she said that, you know, maybe some will opt out, but we just don't know right. what their decisions are, are going to be. Um, but like you said, if it's based on finances and, and all of that, you know, it may be harder, yeah. you know, if there, if there is no compromise or if they are asked to choose one or the other and that that's going to be really a, a tough choice but you know i think that we'll see that in the next couple of seasons yeah. uh, not today thank goodness um because there are so many fantastic players and and that's another thing like just with the expansion gaben um you know what brianna stewart said about having practice teams or a developmental league i just think that that would be a way to go too um and you don't have to pay you know, those players and an inordinate amount of money to, to serve in that role. But I think that is something that the WNBA needs to entertain because, you know, I know everyone says a 144 is the number for the players in the league. 
And it's so much less than that because a lot of teams have 10 or 11 players. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any team this year has 12, right? Or maybe there are two, I think. There's a, there's a few teams that have, I think, I think there's a couple teams that have 12 players. Yeah, but it's not all 12 no. teams. And, you know, I know Mike Tebow said, you know, I said this on the broadcast last night too with Katie Benzen from Maryland, yeah. who he wanted to find a spot for and just couldn't, but she earned it. So that's that's hard when you know you have, players who are capable and worthy of the opportunity and you can't give that to them because of the lack of space in the league. So, you know, hopefully in the next two years, that's what we've been hearing. Um, there'll be more teams, obviously more roster spots. And hopefully even with that expansion, there'll be those practice teams right. and a developmental league as well. Well, and, and the answer to all of these problems is more money. Look, money, money does not buy happiness. Money buys a lot of things in terms of a basketball organization as a WNBA yeah. is. So like, yeah, just let, allow people to throw money at things would be a great start. Like let, let Mark Davis throw money at what Joe Sai, if you all want to spend all the money you got, go ahead, go crazy. Right. And then that's what, that's what pushes the league forward. I mean, you know, you can, I think Mark Davis would say the same thing about his father. His father pushed the NFL forward in that same way, trying to get a competitive advantage through money. Yeah. But another way to raise money uh, would be through expansion, getting new owners into the league, having them pay up front, just creating new investors. Obviously, the capital raise that the WNBA did earlier this year has yeah. really changed um, their financial trajectory. And I think it's made uh, expansion look a lot closer than perhaps it looked before. Um, right. And that's, I think, the other thing that has come out from Kathy Engelbert recently that's really important. Um, she said, she told the athletic, I believe she told you, right. That mm-hmm. they're hoping to identify one or two cities for an expansion franchise by the start of the playoffs this year in September or at year's end at the latest. So at the end of 2022, um, she wants the teams to start playing in 2024 and it could just be one team. Um, but it, they're, they'd like it to be two, but it could just be one right. team. Rumor has it that the expansion fee is between 15 and 20 million dollars, which would be great. But Engelbert said it's said it's probably going to be higher um, to bring wow. in some more capital. So I, I would say like 15 to 20 million for a WNBA franchise right now seems like a steal. Um, I mean, obviously you're going to pay more than people paid in the past, but I think sure. this is going to start going up oh, precipitously yeah. in terms yes. of value. Um, yes. So I think that's a great investment for someone. Uh, the WNBA says they've whittled the list down to 10 or 12 teams. And the here's here's some things that were going to affect it. Uh, a city's population, their political affiliation and policies. Uh, generational demographics will be a factor um, yeah. because the league knows it skews young and female. Um, so those are the things that are going into play. That's kind of right. where they stand with expansion. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the league potentially expanding in the next couple of years? I love it. I love it. As long as it's done the right way. And as long as people who are, uh, I guess, potential investors for these new teams, love the game, love the opportunity for these, these iconic women who are professionally sound, who want not only to provide the best entertainment, if you will, on the court in terms of the product, but also to give more leverage to our professional women's sports and and athletics. Like we need more visibility. We need 
more opportunities and we need more equality. And I think when we have a league like the WNBA, when we have the women's soccer league, uh, you know, it's so empowering for our young women who are watching these women right now sow those seeds. So it'll be easier when they have the opportunity to come through and, and be on their level. So I think the more opportunity, the better. And you know how I feel about that. I'm totally an advocate for, uh, for our young women. But I think it's not just for our, our young girls. I think it's for our young boys to see that too. And to, to let them know like, hey, this world is, is built for all of us mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to do what we love and have a passion about it and a purpose behind it. And I think when you have more teams, obviously you're in more cities, Obviously, there are more little young kids in those arenas, boys and girls, who see like, hey, this is how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be meshed. We're supposed to be doing this together as a team, right? So I think the more opportunity, the better. And I just think that with, with the 10 or 12 cities that they, that they have mentioned, I mean, they're just going to be better for it. It's not going to yeah. hurt anything. It's not going to hurt anything. But what it will do is it will bolster the confidence of going for things that you love right. and and that's what we want for our kids that's what we want for our young people we want them to know that if they go for things that it, it's it's for a good purpose and and it's an encouraging piece so there i don't i don't see any negative to it yeah no and also creates jobs for people like me uh, which I'm a huge fan of also like, and then there, so there's that aspect. It's like, we're going to get young kids more involved in basketball. We're going to get more people, more jobs. These stadiums I'm guessing are not going to be publicly funded. Thank God publicly funded arenas should be completely illegal in this country, but that's a different podcast. Um, and then the third thing is though, is like, we've seen, at least from my vantage point, yeah. I believe the WNBA makes basketball better where they go. This this community of basketball in, in the Washington DC area is stronger yes. because the Mystics are a part of it. That's right. Really simply, like it's not it's not difficult to see why because these players are there. They're in the community. They're the coaches are here. They're doing clinics. They're talking to other coaches, and right. it's just you can go to a game in the summer when you're not in school and you're not playing basketball every single day if you're a basketball player. So you have an yeah. opportunity to go to these games. So I I think personally it's huge for the basketball community in these areas to get a WNBA team also huge for people like me who we, we need to talk about stuff. So this is, this is lovely. Um, but I do want to mention the cities that the athletic pointed out. Mm -hmm. uh, they pointed out six cities. So this isn't just, this isn't the WNBA's list. This isn't a full list of teams. This is just some of the teams, uh, some of the cities that um, the athletic Chantel Jennings and Mike, Vorkanov, I can never pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, but those two are reporting and they, and they identified these cities as ones that make sense and that have already had some, some uh, bubblings behind it right. for WNBA franchise. So we got Nashville. Mm. We have Oakland with Alana Beard as the face of the Oakland group. Uh, and, and Bill Duffy, who's a huge NBA agent, is there. So that could, that could be a big deal. And they have their state council behind them uh, for Oakland. Philadelphia is on the list. I like Philly. Wanda Sykes is involved. Don Staley may, may be involved, apparently, according to the report. I like it. I like it. Uh, I like it. Portland's on the list. Um, okay. Obviously, Portland had the Portland Fire before, so that's, that nice. could be an easy place to go. 
San Francisco, led by the Warriors owner. I like um, them. Could they have a new stadium? So that would actually work out nicely. And then Toronto, a team that's been bandied about for a long time. I actually approached WNBA about buying the dream in 2019. That group is still around. They want an expansion franchise. So Nashville, Oakland, Philadelphia, Portland, San Francisco, Toronto. What do, do you have a favorite here? I like Philly. Uh, for some reason that is like ringing in my ear and no pun intended with the bell. Oh, that's there. really good though. I didn't even no pun that, intended. But, she so meant have... the pun. She meant the pun. <laughs> I, Give her I the pun. It. I meant it. Um, but I, I don't know why Houston isn't being mentioned. And I know, you know, I, I, and I know that's not an official list that you had there, but I love the Bay Area. I love, uh, you know, Elena Beard spent many years as a Washington Mystics player. Um, before, you know, she was at Duke prior to that and then went to the Sparks. So I love that she's involved as a, a possible investor. But man, put a team back in Houston. Let Houston get those banners hanging somewhere those four banners that they won to start the league mm. i mean it's almost like and I, I saw that special i think it was on nba tv over the pandemic or something i was watching yeah. all those like episodes 30 for 30s and all that but um you know there's no place for the banners to hang and it's almost like that part of the WNBA's history was tucked away we don't yeah. want to compartmentalize that part of the, the history of the league get a team in houston and hang those banners up there and walk those players back out, Cheryl Swoops at all. And, and let's have let's have a celebration of what they did to sow the seeds of this league. Like it has to, I don't and like any other place is fine. But yeah. I think for me personally, which I don't even have a say or a vote or whatever. <laughs> but if I did, <laughs> um, I would definitely put Houston at the top of my list just because of that. I mean, just can you imagine if you were a player on that team, Gabe, and you won four straight titles in the league, and now there's nowhere? Like, just say, okay, say the Chicago Bulls. All right, now Chicago doesn't have a Bulls team, and they're they're just they don't have it. And all that history with Michael Jordan winning those six titles, all that, where does that go? Like, you take all that down and you just tuck it away. Like, what is that about? Like, it's all it feels that would feel the same to me. You yeah. know, if you do that to the Bulls, like what you've done to Houston, uh, not having a team or bringing a team back there is the same thing of, you know, the doing that same thing to the Bulls. Or no, it is. It is because this is the, the, the you're right. It was the premier franchise in the WNBA <laughs> for a long time. Um, the only issue with Houston is uh, personally, I don't want the Rockets owner because it seems it seems like a lot of some of these owners, if you're in the if you're in the nba market because the nba owners own 42 percent of the league wmba right. owners own 42 percent of the league then there's a 16 percent pie uh, of outside investors according to the athletic right um but so uh, my assumption would be that the teams the teams that are going to nba markets would either have to get approval from the uh nba teams or have the nba team's owner be there and i don't okay. want the rockets owner owning a wmba team because he's been um cheap would be one of the words i use for him uh and there's and there's uh other there's already some cheap owners in this league so we don't need more um but i think houston would be amazing in terms of that of, of what you're saying of that um history there i love the history aspect there um yes. i i love portland uh you know i'd be i think yeah. it'd be really cool i think it'd be a, a, a 
fan base that is re- is really ready and wants mm-hmm. to support women's basketball and loves basketball. Uh, yeah. If you watch Trailblazers game, they're crazy. Yeah. Um, I think San Francisco would be great too because of, of, of that new stadium, like I mentioned, the Warriors. Yeah. Um, Nashville being in Tennessee is a little tough because I'm always worried, like, you know, if if they put in some legislation, you know, let's say like they put in the Florida legislation, the Dolce oh, yeah. gay bill, right? Like this is that could that's not gonna fly with the WNBA. Um, right. and there's already precarious situations that that are that the league is in in that circumstance. So I don't think they want to put themselves in another one. So my vote to get to my vote here. Okay. If I had a vote, which it doesn't yeah. matter. I don't. It does. Tell us. Well, I, I have an opinion. Um, yeah. Oakland and Toronto. Okay. I think those two city. Oakland is so excited to have a WNBA franchise. Uh, they want someone back. They, they, they missed the Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors are, are across the bridge in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Oakland is a community that would really embrace a team there, would really love it. Um, and they obviously have at Beard and Duffy, those two are huge names in this sport of basketball. And it seems like they're very serious about having a team. Uh, I don't know how they, I don't know if they play an Oracle. I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. what the situation is in terms of the stadium. I don't know if they want a new stadium, but I think Oakland would be great. And, and they have been very vocal about wanting a team. And then Toronto, we got to get to Canada at some point, right? Like, we we had to cross the border. I think Toronto is another place that is very excited to have a WNBA franchise. I believe in their in the what the Raptors have done already. I think right. this group is actually not a part of the group that wants to get a team to Toronto is not a part of that Raptors group. Okay. Um, so I don't know them as much, but I, I you can see that Toronto obviously has a support there. They know how to support a basketball franchise and they're crazy about sports. And we need we, let's go international. I think we have so much Canadian talent here in this league that it'd be really fun. Um, oh, yeah. we should did we did Megan meant we need to get Megan's thoughts on putting a team in Toronto. I'm sure she would be elated to have a team in Toronto for sure. But I know you know with with the globalization of the NBA and the international games that they play preseason games. I know the Wizards are going to China. Um, or I'm sorry, to Japan um, in the fall. So I know that there are, um, you know, there's that, that connectivity worldwide Mm -hmm. that the NBA has, but, you know, we're talking about the WNBA. We're in year 26 with the league. The NBA is 75 years in, right? Or, you know, this is the uh, 76th year, I guess, um, or the end of the 75th year. Anyway, um, but with that, I mean, there's that, that connection that the a lot of the WNBA players already have because they play overseas. So there should be some games like that, you know, mm-hmm. where WNBA teams go internationally. And that's what Kathy Engelbert was saying as well. Like the mm-hmm. NBA already has that, you know, going in terms of, you know, three or four teams going to play in the fall. But just having something like that, whether it be um, after right after the season, but a lot of them go overseas, so the timing would be a little precarious. But I just think that it, that we're ready for that, though. I mean, we're ready for a team in Toronto. We're ready to go international. I mean, it's it's in the wheelhouse of so many players like to to cross mm-hmm. borders with their passport and and do that. So I don't know. I just I just like the way Kathy Engelbert in her third season. I mean, just think about it. I mean, she had the bubble. And Braden's in Florida. I mean, all of these challenges that 
she didn't see coming when she took the job, right. uh, you know, in 2019. So it's like, wow, she's had to do a lot of pivoting and the marketing I think has been tremendous in the last three years. And I think a lot of that had to do with that bubble situation down in, in Florida and, and how so many more eyes were on the league. And I think we really um, saw a capturing of more fans right. in that moment. And she's really been able to continue to build. And I'm thinking for talking one or two more years from now, I mean, with expansions and everything like that, what other things are, are going to just balloon from that and, and grow from what she's been able to do in just her three years. So it's exciting. And I know, you know, things have already changed, obviously, with the CBA from last year, um, with with all the things in place to support these women who are are playing for the love of the game. No, yeah. I mean, it's a labor of love and, it, and, it, and it's what uh, is produced from labor is always a great deal, you know, yeah. and, it, and it's not that it's not, you know, there's no suffering in labor, there's suffering in labor, but the fruits of that labor is what we're beginning to see in the league. Yeah. And we want that to continue. And, and I love it. I love it for Kathy Engelbert and what she's been able to do. Let's make it less a labor of love and more a labor for money. That's <laughs> okay. American. Well, that's, there we go. Just, you know. Get some more money in their pockets, darn it. Yeah. Some money uh, in their I think, I think, <laughs> you know, we're going to be talking about expansion a ton. We're going to be talking about all these topics a ton. I'm really glad we waited till today to do this podcast. So I'm, I found what Kathy was saying super interesting. So yeah, it's um, awesome. I think it was very, I think it's very interesting. We'll come back to expansion. Obviously we do need to get to other news. Um, yeah. Cause there was news as we mentioned. Uh, do you want to go to LA or New York first? Let's, let's go to LA because I mean, there have been some teams this season that have been slow out of the gates. Mm-hmm. Um, LA was one of them, um, but also a new mix of players with the Cambay's, out there with Hollywood, out there, Kenny Carter. Mm. But then you see players like Lexi Brown having a career year in terms of her yeah. efficiency and, and her shooting percentages and all of that. But they're not winning. Like we thought on paper they would be winning out of the gates. Now, what did you see this coming for Derek Fisher to be to be bumped out of his position as GM and head coach in LA? Not to be rude, but yes. Um, really? I mean, Okay. I, didn't th- I didn't think it would happen. I thought if they went into the season um, with him, he would make it through the rest of the season. Um, okay. Just because, look, it's really, really hard to win, a to compete for a championship okay. with a interim head coach, uh, especially an interim head coach in Fred Williams, who well, you could talk about, he, he's going to leave to Auburn at the end of the year. So this is not a situation where he's probably going to stay or whatever. It's like, well, this is kind of just we're kind of running out the string here and I think it changes, but you know, I don't know all the locker room dynamics. I don't know if this is going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the Mm -hmm. team, but I did know that, you know, the Derek Fisher era has been really, really rough in LA. Obviously, as you mentioned, they're five and seven this year. And I think if, if the, if the rest of the years had gone better, maybe it it would, it would have been better. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, you know, obviously to recap uh, in year one, they make it to the semifinals um they get blown out in the last in the last game of a sweep against connecticut candace parker's benched for the end of that game and then she's in the locker room crying that was tough um, to see that was tough and i thought in my mind i was like well he's done because how are you going to do that to the best player in franchise history um so i was like right there i was like okay 
it's time to move on. A failed okay. experiment. They didn't. They uh, Penny Toller was fired after some comments that you made in the locker room that off season. Um, right. So the GM that brought him in is already gone, and one of the G- and the GM that was really there for the longest time. Um, then in 2020, they they get they make it to the playoffs, but they lose their first playoff game. It's obviously a bubble, a lot of weird stuff going on in the bubble. So maybe you say, hey, okay, that's fine. Big deal though was after that season, Candace Parker and Chelsea Gray yeah. left. Yeah. And you look back at what happened that first year and you're like, well, that didn't, that's not inspiring confidence here. Uh, yeah. Obviously they come back last year after, was- after trading the first round pick, they did not make the playoffs. Um, and they, and Derek Fisher was officially the GM, I believe at that point last year. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to this year, they try to, you know, paper over some of their problems with some trades with some moves with bringing in Liz Cambage gets everyone excited. Then this firing happened after a loss to Phoenix in which Liz only played 13 minutes. Uh, it seems like that I would, I would connect those two in my mind. I would say that's probably a big deal. If you, if he was not playing the players that the front office wanted him to play, uh, wow. then that would say, Hey, okay, now it's time to move on. So that's where, where I think it probably changed for them. I also think they brought in Vanessa shades to run the basketball operations, um, mm-hmm. the, I think that was right after the season started or, or right after training camp or maybe right after the draft. Right. I'm not sure of the timing. And that changes things. When you have someone coming in, they want to bring in their own people. Right. Um, so that's a long way of saying that, uh, yeah, I didn't, I thought Derek Fisher would make it through the year. I'm not that surprised that he's fired. Yeah, I just, you know, when it popped up, I was like, whoa. I, I guess it's just all about timing too. Mm-hmm. Like you said, with Fred Williams going to Auburn, coming up in the fall, uh, you know, and he's a great guy. I mean, he's, coached throughout the league for many many years and he has experience so I mean that's one good thing about that it's not a novice uh, that's going to be the interim head coach for the for the long haul here for LA but I don't know it's always tough when there's a change made uh, at any point um, when the season is going I think that's always uh, a tough deal but it's not like he like Fred Williams is going to reinvent the wheel I mean, he, he has the personnel, they have their philosophy in place and their personality or whatever, and they just need to get some more wins. And and it's not that they aren't capable. I mean, you look at the names on that roster and you're like, okay, they have to have more than out of 12 games, have to have more than five wins. I agree. Gotta have more than five wins. And how do you get that done? And I know, you know, with new players, it's always, it's always a challenge but it's not impossible. So for me, like when you have leaders like Neko Gumake on, the, you know, and Shanae Gumake playing and, and doing their best to, to get the dubs and they're not getting them, it's frustrating. So the first person they look at is the coach, right? And maybe the coach has designed things and it's not being executed. So I know how that feels sometimes, you know, but I also know that you know, once you have the chemistry, you can feel it. You know, when you have it, you know, when you don't. And there are some big personalities on that roster. And, you know, you all have to work together to, to get the job done. And that's the bottom line. They love the game. They love to compete. But for whatever reason, just didn't get a good, strong start this year. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, bringing in the new people obviously affects it. I think, yeah, I've mentioned this before the season starts. I didn't <laughs> like the set of moves that, that LA made just because, I didn't think Liz Cambage fit on this roster. I thought Liz was a shiny new toy. And as it turns out, she kind of is because she doesn't, she doesn't fit that well. And she has not yet 
um, yeah. you know, been been a force like we've seen her be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So per- personally, I thought this would kind of happen, to be honest, especially mm-hmm. with Christy Tolliver. You know, I didn't I also didn't expect the Dallas Mavericks to make the conference finals and therefore Christy Real- Tolliver <laughs> be out, you know, this entire time. She's been yeah. she just got activated. So she's coming right. back. And that's huge right. for them because they need her. Uh, but Kenny Carter is only playing, you know, 15 minutes a game. Like, right. He, he I, I think it was just a matter of Fisher was on the floor seeing which players could win for him and, uh-huh. and being down there rather than being in the front office and saying, well, which players do we want to win mm-hmm. for us? And maybe, uh-huh. maybe it was a conversation of, Hey, you know, you need to be more patient with the players that we want to play. And Fisher was like, no, we need to win games now. Right. And I could see that being an issue. I could also just see, you know, maybe there was not, there was not the chemistry that he had um, there. Maybe there wasn't good chemistry with Liz Campage, right? Cause the person, the person they elevated to being the head coach, Fred Williams has already coached Liz in Dallas. Right. Um, I believe he was there for their best season. If I'm, yep. That, that 2018 season where she, yep. where she was a monster. Um, yeah. So that's a big deal because I think, you know, in a different scenario without Liz there, if they need an interim head coach, I think they would have gone to Latricia Trammell um, oh. because she's been interviewing for head coach stuff. She's been, you know, kind of, kind of seemed like the next in line for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not saying here blaming Liz Cambage. I'm blaming the entire situation. I think this yeah. is just a really tough spot. Um, I, I probably would have gone a different direction at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. If we're going to say, Hey, this is a new yeah. team. Exactly. Yeah. Do it at the beginning of the year. So now we have a chance. Um, I don't know. Maybe this works out for them. Who knows? I mean, the Indiana fever looked really good in, in, uh, yeah. in Carlos Knox first game. So it's like, <laughs> maybe it comes back and they're like, all right, maybe it, maybe it works out for them, but uh, this is not what you want to see in LA. No. And wait, what's the tally for Indiana? Three. They have, they three, have three wins. wins. Yeah. I, well, they, they've been on a four game losing streak here. They can get they can get three more before All Star break. I, when's my, it? When's the All Star break? Uh, mm-hmm. two two weeks. July tenth. July three weeks. Okay. Oh, Dang. like a month. Like a month. July tenth. Oh, they could they could do that. We gotta come up. <laughs> if you're if you're listening to the podcast right now, please drop a comment as to what I should <laughs> what we what either of us should do if the Indiana Fever get or do not get six wins. Please please they drop both in there. Uh, yeah make it something really good when they do get it for Gabe to do so that's what we need <laughs> we need that in our lives we need that but uh but yeah just just to tie a bow on on the LA situation I, I you know it, it's always amazing to me like what you said about the fever once they um departed ways with Marianne Stanley the hall of famer uh and they go out and they play like gangbusters the next game now if LA does that don't be surprised. Let's, let's not be surprised because it's always like, oh man, I feel badly that that happened to coach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out there. And then now, you know, like you just said, Indiana lost four in a row after that. So let's not get a fool's gold situation. No. Let's understand that they still have some, you know, continuity issues to work on with their new pieces on the team. And if they come out and, and run through a wall in the next game, good job. Keep doing that. If right. you keep doing that, then I'll eat my words. But I've seen it happen so many times, every level, every gender. Stop playing with me. I already know, you know, that that they take ownership and maybe have, you know, 
feel some kind of way about the changes that were made in the coaching uh, realm. So, you know, if that happens, don't be surprised. You know, they go out and put a hundred points up or something like that and beat somebody by 50, like, okay. And then, you know, then keep doing that. I'm I'm all for, I'm cheering for you. Keep doing it though. Keep, you know, stay consistent. If you're trying to win tip and you're not winning, typically the only problem is not the coach. Like typically there's not only one problem. That's what I'm saying. Just saying. But they, I do agree. With you. I think they, I, actually, do they play tonight? That might be my bet for spread the floor. Yeah, uh, like o- over or whatever. Let's see. Do they play tonight? They no, they don't play for a couple of days. They have a, they have a couple of days here. Okay. Uh, which also may have been like they do have. They had six days off. They had six days off. That hasn't happened for a lot of teams this year. It seems like every other day or every third day they're either playing or traveling. A lot I'm of looking teams. Looking at this right because they have six up. days off. They play on the 11th and they don't play until the 19th. Oh, wow. Am I looking at that right? Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I will figure that out at a different point. I'll tweet about that. Uh, May have been that, that could have been a part of the timing too. It's just, okay, we have time now to, to adjust. Um, But yeah, so maybe, maybe we'll take uh, the, the uh, sparks in their next one, but we'll see what happens with them the rest of the season. You know, who's really happy about this. Well, not happy because I don't think anyone's ever happy when someone gets fired. But just uh, happy about the turmoil in L.A. is Mike Tebow and the Washington Mystics because they traded for the L.A.'s first-round pick next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, Atlanta technically traded for uh, L.A.'s yeah. first-round pick and then it ended up in the hands of Washington. Washington, yep. Um, so Washington yeah. uh, is happy about the situation. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move over to New York. Atlanta trade. So AD, AKA Asia Durage, they are heading to uh, Atlanta in exchange for Megan Walker and Raquel Gardea. Um, can't roll my R's. It's a big problem for me because I speak Spanish. And I can't roll my R's. That was pretty good though. All right. I try. I should, I, I literally speak Spanish. I should be able to do that better. <laughs> Regardless, uh, Gardea is not going to be uh, in the U S she's in Spain. Megan Walker was waived. So AD is heading to Atlanta um, I, I, for my estimation here, this is just a way to get AD to Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. because New York is bringing in Maureen Johannes. Uh, she's coming back from France. So she's going to be part right. of, of New York the rest of the season. AD, right. while they showed some flashes, um, they haven't been fully back yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually a really good gamble for a team like Atlanta, who's young and growing and can, and can stick around with AD as they come back from long COVID back in Atlanta, which She's is her hometown cool. and yeah. the commercial that I sent you before we got on air with her. She did a commercial for the Atlanta dream. Adorable. And just inter- interesting moves here. Really it was a trade to get Marine Johannes on the roster while not having to wave AD um, and, and sending AD to a place that they want to go. Yeah. No, I, I love that move. And whenever you can go back home, I mean, yeah. we've seen it happen, you know, across the board in the NBA and the WNBA, you know, when you get a chance to go back to where it all started, it, it really means a lot. And for AD, I love the fact that she's going back to Atlanta and that commercial mm-hmm. was just super so cute. cute. And uh, Sam Williams, Samantha Williams, she's assistant coach at Tennessee. That was her post. And um, if you haven't seen it, go check that out because you know, when you can dream that big and I, and no pun intended, gosh, that's my second pun of the day. <laughs> when you can, when you can dream that big, you know, when you're in elementary school and then flash it forward 
and be in the WNBA and representing the Atlanta Dream in the WNBA. I, that's just it's just an amazing story and, and a journey that that is meant to be. But overall, I like what what that trade represents mm-hmm. for both teams. I think it's a win win. Uh, I love the way New York is playing right now, and they were slow yes. out of the gates initially, but now you know Sandy Brondello a seasoned coach. She is not her first rodeo. She doesn't need somebody to tell her what to do. She knows exactly what she has in front of her. And now she's kind of maximizing the players that who she has on the roster. And Sabrina Nescu is just playing out of her mind right now. I mean, what does she just miss one shot? What was she 10 of 11? She was so ridiculous. She was was something like that. I was like, goodness, I think she had five for five for three in their last game and just unconscious. And then when they mentioned that she had missed one shot, she was like, that's so annoying. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so Sabrina, right? I mean, she's just the dog when it comes to, you know, the competitive fire that she possesses. But now I think it's all come together with the philosophy that Sandy Brondello has for for a new team. And, you know, a lot of same actions uh, for Sabrina are being run. Mm -hmm. um, Diana Taurasi had run for her in, um, in Phoenix. And, you know, you, you love to see that as well. Well, and the, the, I mean, I think they've, they, I'm with you. They're getting, they're coming together at the right time. I think one yeah. of the big things is Sabrina is kind of moving over to that full-time two position, Yeah. Um, which is great when you have a Marine Johannes coming in. Um, yep. Although Marine is kind of more of a combo than, than just a straight power uh, point guard. Point, Danger, yeah. Crystal Dangerfields, did she sign the I thought rest she, of the season? I thought she got released. She got released, but they re-signed her. They re-signed it. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just still. Uh, no, it's still a hardship. So she's still on a hardship because she had. She was on hardship. the hardship, and okay. the hardship ended, and now she's back on another one. Oh, um, okay, good. Because I was like, no, because that was our third team this season. You know, yeah. after from Minnesota, Indiana, and then New York, and then I saw she got waived, but I didn't see the the re-upping of the hardship deal. So that's yeah. good. So I she. Like- she She's back with uh, she's back with New York, and that's big because they need a point guard. Um, yeah. Benaja Laney's injured, so sh- she'll come yeah. back. Um, and then you know we start we're still dealing with injuries to Dee Richards and Jocelyn Willoughby. Richards yeah. should come back pretty soon. Willoughby's aiming for the end of June, so right. the team is is heading in the right direction. I'm with you. I think Sabrina has been unbelievable. So to get that final line for her, 26 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. 10 of 11 from the field, four, four from three, oh, four, only four. two, only two, uh, only two turnovers there. Um, awesome. No. Th- and this is what we said at the beginning of the season was like, Sabrina needs to be the star. Sabrina yeah. needs to be a star. And if she's the star throughout the year. I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, the other big thing that's been interesting is Han Zhu. Yes. Coming in, making a huge impact. She's, mm-hmm. she scored 15 points in this last game against Minnesota. Uh, and she's starting to take over Steph Dolson's role, um, mm-hmm. which is super interesting because if Han Zhu is the player that New York thought she was, um, that changes a lot of the of what they have to do because she fits in so perfectly next to Natasha Howard. So I'm really, yeah. really impressed with New York. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves um, because they're still what? They're still like five and seven or whatever. Um, right. But I think it's looking good. They're four and eight. Right. Their last couple of games, they've played really well. One through the last four. Right. And they look so tough. And I, I just like Hanju in there. And I love what uh, the energy level that she brings to the team. Mm-hmm. They just look different when she's on the court. And I know like what we said about Sandy Brandella running a lot of the same sets um, 
for Sabrina that she ran for Diana Taurasi. Well, she's also running a lot of the same sets for Hanju that she ran for Brittany yeah. Griner, right? When she was in Phoenix and, you know, bring BG home, number one. Um, but, but even with that being said, you know, you have to give time for, for new coaches to implement their system. And then not just that, but give the players a chance to get acclimated to it as well. And I think that's what we've seen. Like you said, the last three out of four games, New York has found success. So I think sometimes it just takes that, that time. And then you see the momentum growing. I mean, Chicago was 16 and 16 last year and they won the championship. So sometimes it's not about like, having an unblemished record sometimes you have to go through some things they went through all those injuries early on Chicago did and then played the game the right way and their best way towards the end of the year and got the the ring so it's all about timing but it is all about momentum and the understanding of of what's expected and the momentum of that you know it's not just all physical all the time and it's not always about wins and losses but it's when you're winning (laughs) and when you're losing like you don't want to be trending in the wrong way at the end of the season I'd rather start off slow and build 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 right and that's what they're doing and you know you gotta take your hat off to Sandy Brandello for that no I think she's doing a I think she's doing a good job they're they're coming together Uh, I think there was I was really worried about them for a little bit there Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last time we talked about New York, I was very upset about how lackluster uh, they've been ca- holding on to the ball and, and yeah. having a really high turnover rate. Um, they've cleaned some of those problems up and they, they've been better. I think they've, you know, they, I think just happens, you know, again, getting used to new people um, sure. and, and getting used to new situations, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it moves them forward. So happy sure. to see that for New York. Happy to see that for AD. Seems like uh, good feelings all around, except for... Okay. Megan Walker, who was waived. That's, yeah. that's that is what it is. I'm really excited to see Maureen Johannes in New York. We we don't have a ton of time to get into Maureen. She is wild. She's a wild passer. She's <laughs> unbelievable. It's like it's like tall Rui Machida. Although Rui's like way more tactical. Maureen's an artist. Like there's, it, it's not basketball. It's an, it's an art form. Oh, she's some of it doesn't t-shirt. come out right. She's got some Tisha Penichero to her. Yes, kind go. of. Kind of, it's more. I don't know. It's more. It's more like I don't know. Or it's more flash. Okay. Actually, it's not more flash. It's not more flash. I was gonna say the Tisha was pretty flashy. Now she's more flashy than Tisha. I need to call Tisha. Like <laughs> she was so. I feel like she. I don't know. Maybe you only see her in highlights. I guess look up Tisha's uh, turnover rate. Maybe it is. Maybe that is the right. The right uh, comparison. Was, that was as a bad, bad player right there. <laughs> in Tisha in a good way. Bad in the good way. And Joe Jackson bad, not Michael Jackson bad. <laughs> yeah. No, Michael Jackson bad, bad not, not Joe Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Don't tell my kids I said the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, you want to talk? Do you want to talk mystics? <laughs> yes, please. And okay. I know we don't have a ton of time, but I know. I don't know. Let's let's start with the good part first. I <laughs> see you. Okay. okay yeah, let's start with the good part. Let's start with the good part. They beat Chicago after losing to Chicago on Sunday. And, you know, it was a two-point game. They had to grind it out. Chicago came back and, and started swinging at them at, at the end of that game when they had, uh, you know, a, a pretty mm-hmm. sizable lead there. But then Chicago closed the gap, closed the gap. But, you know, for, for Washington, how about Alicia Clark? I Love mean, it. I think she only missed one shot, too, last night. And um, also Ariel Atkins was just phenomenal and not just her ability to score the basketball, which she did in a myriad of ways, but her ability on defense to just get 
in you and just get up underneath you, not allowing you to go where you want to go, just making your life miserable on that side of the court. I thought um, Washington as a whole did a good job of containing the paint. And, you know, you do all the research and all the numbers and they're still in my head. So please forgive me for spewing. But I know for Chicago, 49% of their offense comes from inside the paint. Mm -hmm. And Washington did a great job of only only permitting 30 points there mm -hmm. last night. And I thought that was a big difference maker um, in that in that game. And I thought, you know, Washington, I believe, had 42 points in the paint. And, and I thought that was good because they only averaged 35 points in the paint. So they're very intentional and not just in the quarter court, but pushing the tempo, getting yes. fast break opportunities. Shakira Austin was phenomenal as well defensively. Yes. Elizabeth Williams came up big defensively inside. And, you know, that's what you want to see. I mean, it, it felt like they just came in in waves. Everybody came in fresh, boom, came in and, and knocked it out of the park in terms of what the, they were expected to do in their role. And when you have that going for you, it's a great deal. And prior to the game, they had everyone back, full yeah. roster, no injuries, all the coaches back from health and safety protocols. And then with about eight something to go in the second quarter, there yeah. was there was a situation with Elena Deladon. So Elena sets a pick. Uh, Tyler Burnham of, of NBC Sports Washington has the clip. Uh, she sets a pick and she kind of comes up lame after uh, Allie Quigley ran into her. You could see she was starting to be discomfort. She points to the bench immediately um, and she gets taken out of the game. She did not return. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, I think the team was trying to downplay it um, after the game. I mean, obviously I said that they were concerned about their friend, um, but you know, they, it, Coach Tebow didn't have any other information. They have no clue. The only thing I know is that this happened last year and then uh, Elena missed the rest of the season. So uh, I'm concerned. I am scared. Uh, she's been playing great this year. And she's also just like a lovely person who I want to wish health for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really scary, really scary for the mystics. Great. As you mentioned though, that they came out with the win. Um, yeah. I think, you know, that Shakira Austin pick that move uh, has turned out to be a really big deal because if they picked, you know, let's say they pick Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard's been amazing. Uh, Ryan Howard doesn't play center. <laughs> so it'd be, a, it'd be a little difficult for them to um, yeah. fix the whole left by Leia Daldon. In this game, they were because Shakira Austin was able to play really well. Um, and she's still getting there. She's still a rookie. Like she has a long, long way to go. A long right. way to go. Um, but they were able to plug in that hole um, and, and fix things. I think Alicia Clark was huge in that regard. Just like her, she was guarding uh, Courtney Vandersloot and then also switching back to the post. And that was a yes. big reason why um, she watched. She was able to limit Chicago's point uh, paints in the point or points in the paint. Yeah, right. Points in the paint. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and that was huge. So it's like, yeah, great win. I think it was a proof of concept of what this team is going to is supposed to be, even when Atlanta doesn't play. Right. I'd rather, I'd rather see Atlanta playing. Um, so hopefully she's, hopefully she's okay. Yeah. I mean, just out of the gates in that game, I mean, against Chicago in the game that was in DC, Elena had a part in like the first eight points, yeah. like, whether she scored it or assisted it, like she was right there. And just the momentum from her leadership on the floor was so evident. And, it, and it's so tough. I, I like you said, I, I just hope she's okay. Uh, it was kind of an awkward bump mm -hmm. you know, on that screen with Quigley. 
but hopefully it was just kind of like a, a shiver for her and, and, and some uncomfortable discomfort um, yep. and an uncomfortable situation for her. But I really hope it's not going to impact the rest of the season for her. Um, and we're not speculating that, but you did say that happened last year and it did happen last year. So that's the reality of, of you know, what we know. Uh, and, and there is no information uh, about what happened no. with her. Um, she didn't return to the bench either. Like she stayed in the back and that was the same as last time last year um, when she went out, she didn't come back to the bench. So hopefully it's nothing serious and hopefully it's just a scare. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, she's doing her due diligence. You know, I was at the practice prior to that game and, you know, she had the cupping marks, you know, on her legs and, and all that. So it's, I mean, she's doing everything humanly possible to be healthy and, and to stay with her PT and to stay with what she needs to do with her stretching and, and all of that and, and body motions. But sometimes like when you have a collision, like, like what are you going to do? Like when you're setting a screen, sometimes your body may not be um, where it's supposed to be and you don't have the, the proper leverage. So, I, and backs are crazy. Like, like hopefully she'll, she'll be okay. Uh, and definitely sending well wishes. If you're listening ADD, like we're, you know, sending out all the good juju, all the good vibes. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, Christy. <laughs> It's that gonna pause be fine. took me out. That pause said a thousand words, Gabe, and I, I, you know. Oh, I would, it's gonna I was, be okay. It's, it's gonna, gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's, it's gonna be okay. Fine. Apparently, Coach T did say mention that there was no nerve pain. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't know what I. It's just gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Okay. It's gonna be okay. Moving on. Congrats, congrats to Noel Quinn for finally getting her first tech. <laughs> <laughs> she was in a press conference. <laughs> she was in a press really? conference. I don't know if it was Kevin Pelton who asked the question, but he's the one who got the tape of her saying that you know she's never gotten a tech. Um, yeah. She has tried before. She has tried to get a tech before, yeah. um, and and she couldn't. Uh, then a couple of days later, she found the right formula to finally get a tech. There was a, a bad call on Stewie on a post up. She like kind of flailed her arm, and Christy Wallace, you know, kind of went flying, and and the ref called it. And immediately Noah Quinn had a, a call sheet in her hand and threw it to the ground. I was like, oh, it's on. Let's go. <laughs> and she, she gets on the court. She's yelling at the ref. She's still not getting it. And, and then the ref says so too. She goes, I don't give a bleep. Yeah. And that'll do it, folks. She did and it. There it is. She, she, was, she was pointing at him. She was pointing at him like, I got it. If, she, if yeah. he didn't give her a tech, I think yeah. she may have slapped him to get I the mean, tech. Noel, you look, Noah is so sweet. And so it probably, I mean, even with her being demonstrative <laughs> and saying it, she probably didn't even, it didn't even look like to me that she was yelling it because <laughs> Noah is so mild mannered and like low key. It, it, she, she did say that because you could see, you know, on the, on the video and, and it was slow-mo and everything. You could see all the words coming out. <laughs> But it didn't even look, it wasn't like, blah. it was like, blah, 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 blah. Like it was very poetic. Believe. It was very, it was very poetic how she did it. So, but she got the tea. So that's I saw her face. I was like slowing it down because I, I could do that. <laughs> I was like slowing it down. And you could see her face right before she's like, yeah, I got this. Like she's not, oh, I'm well, like, she's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> 
and she did it. Congrats, congrats to Noel Quinn um, on the first tech. Uh, Seattle's looking looking better as they've gone healthier yeah. throughout the season. So and they got the dub in that game too. They, they did up. get the dub. They get yeah. the dub. Maybe because of the tech, you never know. You never know. So is it going to be a thing for her? No, no, he won't do that. I mean, you know, she's going to pick and choose, but at least now she knows what it takes to get one. I'm sure. I'm sure Sue Bird Puller side is like, you know, if you just if you just curse at them, they're going to give you the tech. <laughs> she's like, oh, you know, maybe I'll try it. She did it. She got her tech. Uh, all right, I, I, that's all the WNBA news I have. Do you want to share your news? Um, oh, oh, man. Oh, baby. We put it at the end because we want to. We put it at the end. I get it. And it's going to be very brief because it'll be brief and it'll just be brief. Um, yeah, I decided to step away at South Lakes High School um, because I, I've, I've really, we're talking about early, we're talking about labor of love. That's what it's been, you know? Ah, no, Gabe, no. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fully She's back. fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but um, just with, you know, I've been there 17 years, you know, I basically raised my kids in that gym mm-hmm. um, as a coach with the goldfish and the juice boxes and <laughs> them skateboarding on the ball rack. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, don't break the ball rack. You know, those moments where... No, you just you, you can't get those back and um you know the the comfort that that they had as as elementary kids at the games going to get popcorn mm-hmm. in a huge crowded arena and you're like seven and I'm like excuse me where are you going I'm just trying to get some popcorn I'm like no <laughs> like there's like so many people around um but the fact that they have uh found a home there um because I was always in the gym was was uh was really special. <laughs> oh, Gabe, stop it! <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We're, but yeah, but go ahead. We're. I'm. I'm very uh, proud of you I'm for making fine. this decision. I'm happy that you made it. Um, I, I think. I think you know you have to. You have to do what you feel in life. And I think um, as a person who lives in this community in in the DMV, I'm very happy that you were a coach in this area for so long. I think it enriched the lives of many, many people and you made a big impact on our community um, and South Lakes community and the WNBA. And I am extremely proud to be able to talk to you every single week. So Aww. I'm happy for you. And I know this is, it's, it's emotional, but it's going to be okay. It's, it's okay. Be- it is okay. And I appreciate you saying that because, you know, you, you when you're in it mm-hmm. for the love of it, it, it's really like a fourth child, mm-hmm. you know? And so heart over head decisions are, are pretty simple because it's like, well, my heart's telling me this, but realistically, mm-hmm. boom, I have to do this. But when it's heart over heart, yeah. no one tells you how to maneuver through that. So <laughs> that's been hard. But the great thing that'll come of this is, you know, have an opportunity to see my kids play. And, you know, being there um, as a shepherd for so many other kids, you know, um, and I love them dearly and they know that. Um, but to know at every anthem, my kids are <laughs> in other gyms about yeah. to play, it was, it was stressful <laughs> for me not to be there. And so I know they'd be fine. They're covered, you know, people yeah. are there cheering and whatever. I get it, but I'm not there. And so, um, it's not a selfish move. It's, um, it's a love move and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a challenge 
in, in a lot of ways because I still love coaching. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm not like retiring. Mm -hmm. I'm not stepping down because it's not a down step um, mm -hmm. for me. I, I believe it's just a stepping aside. Right. And that's why I want to word it that way because who knows like what this game holds and, you know, I still love it immensely. And so coaching is not out of the question for me in the future, but just right now, when I turn the page to this chapter of where I am in life, like this is the proper move for me to make for me. And I always make moves for everybody else, mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody else. I'm the last to eat and the last to do everything, you know, the sacrificing time, um, you know, when, when other people are, you know, sitting and playing games and oh, whatever, it's like, no, I, there are things to do. Um, people need help. I need to be supportive. I'm right there. Um, but this time I'm, I'm there for myself and right. I had to really take stock in, and what would make me, uh, more at peace because I definitely wasn't this year. Um, and I loved coaching, but there was always that, that pang, uh, every anthem knowing across town, my kids were playing and I, and I wasn't there to cheer them on. And I know there are only both of them are, are rising sophomores in college, rising sophomore in high school. And um, the older son is, is uh, pursuing things as well. So I, I just want to kind of be there mm -hmm. for them right now. Um, and it, it's just been an outpouring from the community. You know, I've got so many text messages, Gabe, from players that played for me and um, played for us in like 2009 right. and 10 like all and they remember things and they're giving me these these things um you know these just examples but i was at practice the other day and i i consulted with mike tebow because mm. in the absence of my my late father you know i really mm. um hold mike tebow in, in high regard and you know i reached out to him um and just say you know like how would you how did you maneuver through coaching right. having your kids and he said well that's why i left the nba to coach in the WNBA so i could see my kids play mm -hmm. So he had sacrifices that he made too, but it worked out well for him. So right. it's like, okay. And, it, I, and I consulted with other people too, but ultimately it came down to, you know, what I already knew, but I was just interested in, in how other people got to oh. where they were. Like Wendell Bird, I asked him, uh, he was a, a renowned coach at South Lakes and, you know, just everyone had their own personal reasons. So, I mean, I have my own personal reason No, and, and that's what that is. But he did say he was telling Wendy Palmer this when he was coaching, um, her in the WNBA early on, he said, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to be sitting on your back porch and a memory is going to pop up from, you know, your, your time here. And I want that memory to be great. And he mm -hmm. said, randomly, she, you know, reached out to him and text him, Hey coach, I'm coach T I'm sitting on my back porch and yeah. I'm thinking about all this stuff. And, and that's kind of how, and that brought tears the other day in practice. <laughs> so I was talking to him about that, but it's, um, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, it's not the X to knows, not the plays those kids remember, but yeah. the, the, the love that you gave them, the guidance that you gave them, the encouragement and all that. <laughs> the mentorship. <laughs> okay, I'm okay, okay, we're done. We're done. We're done. Uh, Christy, I'm very proud of you for making a self decision. Okay. You want me to sign off? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm very proud of you. Uh, um, I think you've, you you've made a huge impact on all of our lives here. So uh, before Chrissy Winter Scott, I'm Gabe Ibrahim. Uh, this has been Courtside on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. Um, oh, we forgot to tell you guys to subscribe and stuff at the beginning. 
Uh, you uh, you probably saw all that if you're on YouTube. Um, you could go find our Twitters in the bio. You can do all that stuff. Uh, we'll be back oh, here. Oh, what's up? Oh, wait. There's the heart and soul, Brittany Griner, for the Mystics games against Phoenix on Sunday the 12th mm-hmm. and the 14th of, of next week on Tuesday. There's going to be a, a shoe drive, and it benefits Brittany Griner's um, heart and soul shoe drive. So do that. Yes. Go to the websites. There's a website to register and, and all that. Link, so sorry, go ahead. Link, link will be in the bio, too, for that. Um, let me let me write that down before I forget. Um, but yeah, link will be in the bio for that. We will talk to you guys next week. Um, and we, I, I don't think we're gonna end up crying again. No, we I'm might. Like, <laughs> who knows? Hotmess.org right now. Hotmess.org. <laughs> well, so for Christy, I'm Gabe. We'll talk to y'all soon. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.